Good morning and welcome. I'm going to learn to be a little bit more mannerly with our folks coming off the stage. You know, I shouldn't rush y'all, should I? My name's Craig and I'm the senior pastor here and it is our privilege to have you with us this morning. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of John, John, the Gospel of John. So you may know that there are, there's the Gospel of John and then there are the, the epistles of John. Uh, John is earlier in the New Testament, one of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. John chapter 11, as I've said repeatedly, and for those of you that are here regularly, you may be getting tired of hearing me, but if you're the first time with us, or if you've not been with us very much, we've been preaching through the Bible. We began in Genesis all the way back in January. We've made it to the book of John, and we'll continue to work our way through until we finish through the end of Revelation at the end of December. Okay. If you have turned to John chapter 11 or made it there on your smartphone or your tablet, we're going to begin reading in verse 33 and we're going to read all the way through to verse 44. Now this is the story of the death and the resurrection of Lazarus and we're just going to pick it up at the end and we'll recap some of the other verses as we work our way through the sermon this morning. I'm going to ask you if you would to please stand with me in honor of God's word and I'm going to begin reading in verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping, and, also, or, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. If you're reading in the King James, that's my favorite version right here. For Martha says, Lord, he stinketh. <laughs> Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray that you would set us free from our graves. The Lord God, you would unbind us from the things that, that hold us down. Lord God, set us free from our fetters and chains. Lord God, remove the grave cloths from around us. In Christ's name, amen. Are you going to just stay there? Will you trust Jesus today? Question, have you ever missed out on something because you didn't get up in time? How many of you ever overslept through something? I, I have. It ever cost you anything, right? It's, it's cost us something. The time changed last night, and we all gained an extra hour of sleep. And if you're like me, you kind of wish that had happened last weekend during the World Series. It would have been a little bit more beneficial, but I was glad to catch up on, on all that I'd lost. But, you know, we all hate that spring forward night when we lose a sleep. Many of you, now, there's a lot of you in here that are under, like, 21, so this is going to be foreign to you. 
But everybody else in here can remember a time when there was no smartphones. And so when daylight savings time came around, you had to remember to change your clock before you went to bed, you know, uh, so that you didn't, you didn't get up at the wrong time the next morning. How many have ever showed up late to church on, on that spring forward time? Uh, see, some of y'all are honest. The rest of y'all are just not being completely honest with us. We've all been there. You roll out of bed and you think you've got all this time and then all of a sudden it clicks and you go, Oh my goodness, where am I going to be? This morning we're looking at a man who, when Jesus called his name, didn't just lay there. When Jesus spoke to Lazarus, Lazarus got up out of the grave. This morning I want you to know that Jesus offers the same opportunity to you. If you don't belong to Jesus, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, that you are dead in your transgressions and your sins. The Bible describes those who don't belong to Jesus as lost and warns that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. The Bible also warns that because of your sin, you are separated from God and you deserve punishment in hell. Yes, some will protest that this isn't fair, but that protest confuses the situation. See, we've not been born good, sweet, kind. The Bible says that we are born into sin. I don't have to convince you of that. If you've ever met a, ch a baby, you know that they want nothing except what they want. We don't have to teach two-year-olds to hit people and take things from them. We have to train them not to do that because they are born with sin, just as all of us were. Sin is rebellion against God and against God's good plan and God's rule in your life. I preach this sermon today believing this. I believe that Jesus is calling some of you to him today. See, I'm going to go ahead and give you the climax. I'm going to tell you why I'm preaching this message. I'm preaching it because I believe there are people in this room or perhaps watching at home today, maybe both, that Jesus is calling. I believe that Jesus is calling you to trust him, to walk out of your sin, out of your shame, out of your grave, and experience life in Christ. I preach this sermon today because I believe that. I believe it because Acts 4.12 assures us there is no name given under heaven by which men can be saved except for the name of Jesus. I believe that because Jesus promises that whoever hears my word and believes him who has sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment. He has passed from death to life. I believe it because Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. There's no bait and switch here this morning. I'm telling you from the get-go, I'm preaching this sermon because I believe that there are people here today who need to step away from their sin and walk into life in Jesus Christ. And I'm preaching this sermon today because I know that there is hope in Christ. And I'm preaching this sermon today because I know some of you are bound by your sin. You're bound by your shame. You're bound by your disappointments. You're bound by your failures. But today, I believe with all of my heart that Jesus is calling to you. And I'm asking you today, would you come out of your grave and come to Jesus who offers you eternal life? Will you trust Jesus today? Will you trust him? I want to try and give you at least three reasons why you should. And the first thing this morning from this passage of Scripture is that Jesus knows where you are. Jesus knows right where you are. Now, he knows where you are physically, of course. Uh, I, if you'll share your location with me on your phone, I can find you physically anytime I want to. I've got a buddy that uh, shared his location with me when we were at a meeting some years ago, and I don't know if he forgot that he did that or if he's still okay with it, but I can track him all over the world. I never told him. Some of y'all, it's Luke Talbert, I'll tell you who it is. Some of y'all know Luke, right? He never changed it. He'll watch this later and then he'll change it. I won't be able to do it. 
I, I, uh, my, my, um, my family members, so my angel and the kids, we all share a location with their phone, so we know where everybody is at all times. And it's really great because if I'm waiting on them to get somewhere, I can look to see where they are, and I can figure it out if I want to know. I like being able to, I'm just, it's just creepy, right? Just tracking everybody. The government's doing it, Amazon's doing it. They all know where we are. But Jesus has always known, and he never needed GPS. But Jesus knows more than just your geographic location. Jesus knows where you are spiritually. Jesus knows where you are emotionally. See, Jesus, Jesus knows what nobody else knows. Jesus knows where your heart is. Jesus knows right where you are. Now, before we got to the per- verse of Scripture where we read, we can run all the way back to the beginning of chapter 11. The begin- beginning of chapter 11 is very different. The Bible says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, in the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister said to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, you ready? When Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now watch verse 5. Verse 5 makes no sense. No sense unless Jesus is the one in charge. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer. Jesus loved them, so he stayed two days longer. Do you know that Jesus stayed because Jesus knew what they didn't know? Jesus knew right where they were. Do you know that Jesus was not surprised by anything? And then we get all the way to to verse 42, and Jesus says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Jesus knows where you are. Jesus knew where they were, but watch. He says, I thank you that you've heard me. Now, when you get home today, read chapter 11, and you tell me, where did God hear Jesus? We don't have Jesus in this place praying anything. All we know is Jesus in this moment prays out loud in the past tense. God, you heard me. Thank you. When did God hear Jesus? God heard Jesus all the way back. Excuse me. Jesus heard from the Father all the way back at the beginning of chapter 11. When they came and they reported to Jesus that Lazarus was ill in his spirit, apparently Jesus and the Father had a conversation, a communication, a prayer time. They had a little prayer meeting right there. And so it was that after Jesus heard this news, Jesus said, this doesn't lead to death, but God's going to be glorified in the middle of this. You see, the decision was made. God had already answered the prayer all the way back at the beginning of chapter 11. And so when Jesus stands up to publicly pray over Lazarus in this place, he says, Father, I thank you that you've already heard my prayer. God, you've already acted. Lord God, the decision's already been made. Folks, some of you need to hear this. God knows where you are. You're worried, you're concerned because God hasn't heard. Your prayer hasn't been answered the way you wanted it to be. Can I tell you that God knows where you are? The decision has been made. He's ready. Guess what? He knows where you were last week. He knows where you were last night. He knows where you were two weeks ago, ten weeks ago, and ten years ago. And in that place, God knew that he would be right here in this place today. And even then, Jesus was preparing for you to hear this message. And the message he wanted you to hear is that he loves you. He desires a relationship with you. He's not worried about all that other stuff because he's made a way. 
Jesus offers you this hope. It doesn't have to lead to death. There is life in Jesus Christ for all who will call upon his name. Jesus knows exactly where you are. Jesus allowed Lazarus to die because God had a greater miracle in mind. God was going to be glorified in this man. What did Martha and Mary assume? They sent somebody to Jesus. They sent the equivalent of a first century text message, right? Jesus, things are bad. Can you hurry up and get here? He whom you love is ill. Now, there's some controversy about exactly where Jesus was in relationship to Bethany, okay? And the controversy just has to do with our understanding of, of geography and, and the way that things are named in the ancient world. So he may have been relatively close. He may have been 100 miles away. We're not 100% sure. What we know is that Jesus, though, didn't get on a horse and hurry up and get there. What we know is that it took four days for Jesus to arrive, and we know that Jesus did all that on purpose, okay? We know that. And we know that more likely than not, this messenger that went to Jesus made it to Martha and Mary before Jesus got there. And the messenger said, don't worry, Jesus said it's going to be all right. But you know it's possible that by the time the messenger arrived, Lazarus was already dead. That Jesus sent word back to Mary and Martha said it's going to be okay. And Mary and Martha said it's not okay. Jesus has let us down. Jesus has failed. I prayed and Jesus didn't hear. I cried out and Jesus didn't answer. You know that Jesus knows right where you are. Jesus knew that in that moment Martha and Mary would doubt. Jesus knew that their belief would falter. Jesus knew they would question. Listen, I told you from the get-go, I'm preaching this sermon today because I believe there's some of you that need a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's some of you that walked in here today dead in your sin and transgression. There's some of you that walked in here today destined for hell because you have not called upon the name of the Lord to be saved. There are some of you who are that way today. And some of you believe that God just doesn't understand your situation. Some of you go, Craig, it's easy for you to say that, but if you were in my shoes, it would be different. Imagine being in Mary and Martha's shoes. This was he whom Jesus loved. These were Jesus' friends. And this one that's supposed to fix everything is supposed to fix that. And he did not fix it. Why did he not fix that? Where was Jesus when things... Everything's fine. Don't everybody look. We're good. All right. Where was Jesus when they prayed, when they called out? Jesus was not moving fast enough. Jesus ever not move fast enough for you? Jesus ever delayed in your situation? They assumed that because Jesus didn't arrive on their time schedule that Jesus was wrong. They thought Jesus didn't get the daylight savings time schedule. But Jesus knew right where they were. Folks, listen to me. Jesus knows where you are today. Geographically, spiritually, emotionally. He has orchestrated and planned for you to be right here. You're not here by accident. Some of you might have wandered into church for the first time in ages. Do you think it's an accident that you showed up today at just the time when this guy's going to preach a message, going to look at all y'all and say that God loves you and desires a relationship with you? That I would stand up here and announce to you that I believe that God's brought you here for this purpose. Maybe God has done just 
that. Because God has a plan. Jesus knows where you are. The second thing we see this morning, Jesus isn't worried about what other, thing, other people say. He's not worried about what others might say. One of my favorite scenes in the Bible is found in John 11, 14, 16. Look, look there with me. It's kind of funny. Let me turn back. Then Jesus told him plainly, Lazarus has died. Now he's talking to his disciples, right? They, they, they go, remember, Jesus is our friend, Lazarus is asleep, but I go to awake him. The disciples go, well, if he's falling asleep, it's no big deal. Jesus, what's the big deal? And Jesus says, y'all, y'all are driving me nuts. Can y'all please, I, let me spell it out for you. Lazarus is dead. We're going to go. For your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. Let us go to him. And then there's Thomas. Now, again, Thomas is, we always call him doubting, but Thomas is probably just the most realistic one of them all. Pessimist, that's what we call some of you. Thomas says, all right, well, let's go on and die with him. you got to love that, right? Peter pulls the sword and says, we're going to charge. Thomas is like, if Jesus is going to die, I'm going to die too. Let's go. Well, why would Thomas say that? Because Jesus has been run out of town right here. Jesus' life is in peril if he goes back. Commentators argue about whether or not Lazarus, Thomas says, let's go die with Lazarus or whether they say, let's go die with Jesus. But the reality is there was a real, real concern, real possibility. And when they showed up, everybody's going to die. But you know that Jesus wasn't worried about what anybody said. He wasn't worried about what others might have thought. He wasn't worried about what Thomas had to say. Jesus didn't care what others, Jesus doesn't care what others think about his love for you either. Jesus doesn't care about what others think about his relationship with you either. Any of you ever had that thought in your mind? And I know some of you have. Man, if I walk in the doors of the church, that place will burn down. You ever had that thought? I had a guy that looked at me one time, no lie, no lie. He looked at me and he said, Craig, I understand that you're a pastor. And because of my lifestyle, I'll understand if you can't be friends with me. I looked at him, I said, brother, best I can figure, you ain't got nobody but me today. Let's, go, let's run with what we got. Any of you ever been a bad friend? Any of you been that person that, that once upon a time you can look back and you had that person that loved you and it was your friend, but you were kind of embarrassed to be seen in public with them? Any of you ever remember how mean middle school can be and you, you might have been tempted to take that friend that you've known forever and sort of turn your back on? Do you know that Jesus has never turned his back on his people? He's never been embarrassed or ashamed. Jesus shows up at the scene of the tomb and he's not worried about what anybody has to say. And, and, and keep in mind what they were saying. It wasn't just the other people. Jesus' people said, if you'd only been here, this wouldn't have happened. Can we pick up on all of the undertones in that? That's a finger pointing. Jesus, if you'd come when we called, none of this would have happened. But you know, it wasn't just that he wasn't ashamed for his friends. He, he didn't care what anybody else had to say. Jesus was willing to love people publicly. Matter of fact, the Bible gives us that very shortest verse in there. John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus wept. Jesus wept is pretty awesome. Literally, the Greek is this idea that he burst into tears. It's different from what's going on around. In, in a Jewish tradition, people would have been wailing. Like literally wailing. As a matter of fact, there was an expectation that even common people without great resources would hire at least two professional mourners... 
to participate in these burials. And the thought was that the mourning, M-O-U-R-N, mourning, the, 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 the grief for the family should last at least seven days. So when they show up, the Bible says that Martha came out to meet Jesus. This was actually pretty abnormal because they were supposed to be in the house and she left the house. Now remember, Martha's the one that's always serving. Mary's the one that's worshiping Jesus. Martha is no nonsense. Martha is just, we're going to get this done. Folks, it's no, no, shouldn't be a surprise that Martha's the one that left. Martha ain't got time to sit there and do what's going on. She needs to go get with Jesus. Jesus, if you'd have been here, this wouldn't have happened. Mary's busy worshiping Jesus. Martha's in the business of going, hey, we need to get things done. And the thing that needs to be done is my brother ought not be in that grave. Do you know that when Martha showed up, Jesus wasn't embarrassed to be seen with Martha. Jesus wasn't embarrassed to be around the tomb of the dead man. As a matter of fact, Jesus wasn't embarrassed to allow his emotions to bleed through. When Jesus got there, his love for these people, his pain at their loss, his anger at sin and death, it all culminated in an outburst of tears that, in humanly speaking, you couldn't hold back. They just overflowed from within him. But then, then, the Bible says Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it, and Jesus said, Take away the stone. Now, I don't want to come to that part just yet. I want to get to Mary's words. Lord, he stinks. He smells. I say this to you a lot. I'm going to remind you again. Sometimes we G-rate the Bible, and we try to put it in, you know, we grew up on the King James, maybe put it in, put it in those Shakespearean terms. He stinketh. No. She says, look, Jesus, if we move that stone, we're all going to join him in there. That is a nasty mess. We don't want anything to do with that, Lord. If you'd gotten here sooner, we could talk about it. But now, you want us to move the stone away? And everybody there, including the sisters of the dead man, thought Jesus had lost his mind. And Jesus is not concerned about the smell of the man in the tomb. Do you know that? Jesus is not concerned what other people think when he says move the stone because the only thing Jesus is concerned about is God being glorified through the salvation and the resurrection of the man behind the rock. Do not miss this. Jesus was willing to be ridiculed so that Lazarus might be rescued. Jesus is willing to be ridiculed so that you might be rescued. Nobody will shame Jesus out of loving you. Nobody. Did you come in here today, again, thinking the church might burst into flames? Did you come in here worried that those church people wouldn't love you right? Did you come in here worried about who you are, where you've been? Listen to me. God loves you, period. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Those are the promises of God's word. He loves you. And he doesn't care what anyone else says about that friendship. When I, I have a, a younger brother, I have two, y'all heard these stories, but I have, I have one brother that's a year younger than me. 
And uh, I'll never forget, if, you, if you've ever been the big brother, then you understand what I'm talking about. Your, your little brothers, especially when they're so close, they're always known as like Craig's brother. It was, it was just all, hey, this is Jeff, it's Craig's brother, Jeff Craig's brother. I graduated high school, my brother was, was, uh, was um, uh, dating a girl. And I came home after college, and we were out somewhere, and I, I ran into um, uh, the girl that he'd been dating, or I, don't, I guess, friend, whatever, and I'll never forget, she introduced me to her parents. This is Jeff's brother, Craig. Which didn't bother me, but it was just, it occurred, I never realized that had never happened. Never. I wasn't ashamed, but it just had never, ever happened. And then you become a parent, right? And you lose all your identity. Oh, you're Brooklyn's dad. No, I'm Craig. Please give me my name. I've, I've earned it. Watch this. Jesus isn't be ashamed to be known as your Savior. What? Jesus Christ, Son of God. It's kind of a big deal, right? He's not ashamed to be known as Son of God, Savior of the worst. Paul's Savior. John Newton, slave traders, Savior. Craig Thompson's Savior. But more, brother and friend. Jesus, what do you want us to do? I want you to move the stone. Jesus, you've lost your mind. Jesus said, the one whom I love is sick. And I came to make him well. Martha and Mary forgot their words. Right? All the way back in 11. It was them that wiped the feet. And they, so they said in verse 3, the sister sent him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this doesn't lead to death. They got there and they said, Lord, he stinks. And Jesus says, he whom I love is ill and that rock is in my way. Do you stink today? Are you dead in your sin? Have you done everything to push Jesus out of your life? Have you done everything to push your family away, your friends away? Have you done everything in your power to make sure that you're not actually in, incited or in, in, encouraged to be in the church? Is this the last place on earth you want to be today, but somehow or other you found yourself here? Can I tell you, it doesn't matter how rotten, nasty, stinking your attitude, your sin, or your relationships are. Jesus wants to make you well. He whom he loves is sick. And he came to set you free. We ain't got to the good part yet. See, Jesus isn't worried about what others might say, and it's because Jesus came to set you free. Jesus came to set you free. What are you bound by? Watch. There was a stone between Lazarus and his miracle. There was a rock in the way. Jesus could have moved the stone himself. Don't miss this. If he can call a dead man out of the grave, I'm pretty sure he could be like, hey, rock, get out the way. But he didn't do that. Instead, instead Jesus wanted to involve the people who were there. He said, move the stone. And Martha said, uh, Jesus. Listen, you remember back when I was washing dishes and Mary was down there around your feet? You see, the reason Mary was around your feet is because she likes to keep her head in heaven. I got my head right here on earth. 
And Jesus on the other side of that rock is a dead man. See, the Bible doesn't describe him. They don't, they're no longer Lazarus' sisters. Did you, did you see that? The sisters of the dead man. <laughs> you want to make sure we understand. Now, how dead was he? Four days dead. Four days dead. That's pretty dead. Okay? Pretty dead. You might could, could convince somebody that after one day, eh, maybe he wasn't that dead, right? Maybe he's just a little bit dead. Two days dead. Three days. Four days dead? Y'all, that's like nine months pregnant. Martha says, uh, Lord, I'm not sure if you understand the way this works. But after somebody's been dead for a few days, things get a little bit dicey. We don't, we don't, if you wanted to see him, you should have come. Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory? If you believed. Let me ask you this question first. What stone can you move from someone else's life to help them to experience the miracle of Jesus' salvation? See, before we get to the, to the really good part, let me ask you, Christian. What stone can you move so that somebody else might experience salvation in Jesus Christ? Hey, you better first make sure you're not the stone in the way of their miracle. What can you do? See, this wasn't just Lazarus' miracle. This was also Martha and Mary's miracle. Because Jesus said to Martha and to Mary, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? Jesus was ready to call a dead man out of the tomb. Martha wanted proof. Jesus said, if you believe, you'll see. Some of you showed up here looking for God to give you proof. And I'm here to tell you today that the proof will come on the backside of your belief. Augustine called this faith leading to understanding. Imagine Martha and Mary kind of look at each other. And Jesus is just standing there. Now, let me, let me back all the way up to something I didn't get to yet. Twice in this passage, the Bible says that Jesus was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. This is not one of those G-rated versions of the Bible. Okay? And, and, and it's not that the, the translators are trying to keep us from understanding something. It's, it's that the Greek language captures something that we don't necessarily get in in the translation right here. Not, not fully. The translations are very accurate. But what we don't see is the synonym related to this word. The same Greek word here that we translate as deeply moved is a word that's used for animals, like horses, for instance, who are snorting. This isn't, this isn't like a, a horse that's given like a a whinny or a neigh. This is a snorting. They're pawing at the ground. The Bible says that Jesus deeply moved and his spirit burst into tears. 
And the Bible says that Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb, and he said, move the stone. Commentators are a bit divided over exactly what this deeply moved from Jesus means. Was the deeply moved that Jesus' heart was just so heavy and full of love? Yes. Was it, was the deeply moved that Jesus was frustrated and sad over the death of his friend? Yes. Was the deeply moved that Jesus was angry at sin and death and hell and the grave? Yes. But I kind of believe the deeply moved might have been a little bit more of Jesus coming to terms with what he was fixing to do. Jesus deeply moved in his spirit grunts and he groans and he snorts. He claps his hands and he gets ready and he said, move the stone. You imagine the fire that burned in Jesus' eyes in this moment when he knew what he was fixing to do. See, don't miss that. There's no surprise for Jesus. This is somebody who knows what they're fixing to do. We just came off of a football Saturday. This is a running back who knows that he's fixing to go for it, fourth and one on the goal line. And he's in the backfield, and he's yelling at somebody in front of him, and he's snorting, and he's pawing, and he can't wait. This is Jesus who knows what's fixing to happen. And Jesus snorts, and Jesus takes a deep breath, and Jesus says, move the stone. And they say, Lord, he's going to stink. And can you imagine it? Maybe Jesus looked at him, and Martha and Mary like, you know what? Why don't you move that stone? You got that look from your mama? Imagine Jesus giving that look, right? That look. You know the look. The look where Jesus is fixing to overwhelm the grave. And he looks at him. And he says, did I not tell you? See, we always, we always picture Jesus soft. Now, Martha, didn't I tell you that if you just believe? Folks, I'm going to tell you, I got this, this belief that when Jesus is fixing to call a man out of the grave, that there wasn't a whole lot of arm around her and rubbing her shoulders. Woman, didn't I tell you if you believe? You're in the way of what I'm trying to do. He looked at Peter. He said, get behind me, Satan. He was a little nicer than that to Martha and Mary, wasn't he? And then what'd they do? He said, well, the man said, move the rock, move the rock. Move the stone. The Bible says that Jesus lifted up his voice and he says, Father, I think you've always heard me. But Lord, I ain't saying this for me and you because God, I know. But Lord, I'm saying it so they all know. Because Lord, they need to know. And then Jesus did something that we don't fully appreciate unless we dig into the ancient world. In the ancient world, there was no shortage of people claiming to do miracles and claiming to do magic. And so they would come and they'd gather around. They would mutter their magical incantations and they'd sprinkle their little holy water, throw their oil and their incense, and they'd mutter and they'd whisper and they might dance around. No, 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 no. Jesus doesn't do anything like that. It's important that we understand what the Bible says. The Bible says that with a loud voice, Jesus said, Lazarus, come out! In the ancient world, people believed in, as, as, as we know, right? Greek, Greek mythology helps us to understand. We believed in demigods and gods that would come down and take, take, take the special form and believe that perhaps people would have these special powers. Jesus wanted them to understand there was no special magic going on right here. This was nothing but straight, pure authority. God was speaking. I like what Tony Evans said. Tony Evans said it's important that he said, Lazarus, come out. Tony said, because if you forgot to say Lazarus, everybody would have come out of the grave. 
That's why he's a better preacher than me. He's funny. The Bible said that Lazarus came out. He walked out. Listen to me. Jesus wants to set you free. But you have to believe. You have to believe. Some of you stomping your feet and saying, Jesus, if you'll just do this, I will. And Jesus said, if you'll believe. Jesus is saying, move the rock. And y'all are going, Lord, it stinks in here. Jesus said, didn't I tell you if you believed, you'd see the glory of God? If you believe, and you're going, I want to see it now. And Jesus says, you will see it if you'll believe. Jesus wants to set you free, but you have to trust him in faith. How do we tie this thing together? The Bible says in John eleven four, 4, when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. I've read that four times this morning. But there's some of you here that really resonate with that, pers- that passage, that verse. Because you say, Craig, but Jesus didn't come. Lord, I know that prayer. Craig, I know that prayer. You say, what if Jesus doesn't come? That's a struggle. You don't really doubt the truths of God's word. You don't doubt the promises of Jesus. But you feel defeated. You feel let down. You feel, you feel forgotten. You're that person that prayed. You called on Jesus and he, he didn't come. You sent the message. You expect him to show up. It's been four days. Your brother's dead. Maybe it's been four weeks. Four months, 14 years. You utter the same things over and over and over. Jesus could have, if only he would have. Jesus is calling you to believe today. Jesus was ready to rescue Mary and Martha from their disappointment, from their hurt feelings, from their depression, from their pain, and from their sadness. But do you know that they couldn't experience the freedom that Christ wanted to give them until they believed? Imagine if they had said, we ain't going to move that rock. Some of you won't move the stone in your own life. And because you won't move the stone, you've not experienced the healing that Jesus offers to you. Listen to me. In just a couple of minutes, we're going to have an invitation. We're going to sing. We're going to pray. And I'm going to invite you. Some of you today need to step out in faith. You need to say, Lord Jesus, I'm going to move the stone in my life. And Lord, I'm going to trust you to fix the broken parts of me. Some of you need to say, Lord, I don't know how you'll do it, Lord. Okay, you ready? 
Some of you need to say, Lord, I put that stone there for a reason. Because there's some ugly stuff on the side, on the other side. Some of you say, Lord, behind that stone, it stinks. And Lord, I'm terrified that if I move that stone, everybody's going to see all my ugly. Lord, you can't do anything with that. You can't do this, Lord. And Jesus is saying to you, if you will believe, you'll see the glory of God. Some of you need to move the stone today. So that's the first. Second thing. Jesus knows where you are and Jesus isn't worried about what others might think. He wants to set you free. Some of you today don't need to move the stone. For some of you, the stone's already been pushed out of the way. Truthfully, when you walked in here today, Jesus kicked the stone over. You see, that's the truth. That Some of you, the stone is moved. For some of you today, you're looking out of your tomb and Jesus is calling. For some of you today, I need you to stop just laying there and get up. Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. It's time for you to come out of your sin. It's time for you to come out of your shame. It's time for you to come out of the grave. Imagine if Lazarus said, you know, I kind of like it here. It's dark. It's cozy. I'll take another 12 hours. didn't happen though did it when the savior called Lazarus ran as best he could some of you need to come out today and you need to come to the Jesus who's calling you who offers you salvation today and then finally some of you need to hear this the man who had come out his hands and feet bound with linen strips his face wrapped with a cloth Jesus said to them unbind him and let him go. Some of you are just terrified. You say, Craig, I'd love to come out of this grave. But I don't know how to take the next step. I, I don't know what the next thing is. Craig, all these people around me seem to have this Christian thing figured out. And the only thing I know, the only thing that's comfortable to me is the life I've always lived. And Craig, it's holding me tight. And I can't move. My addictions, you know what? They might not be healthy, but they're comfortable. And I don't know how I would live without them. Lazarus got out of the grave. I get excited about this part. I'm trying not to jump. Watch, watch. Jesus said to them, not him. Jesus said to them. Who are the them? All them standing there. Unbind him and let him go. Lazarus didn't know what to do. He didn't know where he was. He just knew that when Jesus called, he was getting up and he was coming out. But Jesus said, church, you go grab him and set him free. 
You don't know what you're going to do. And you ask all the questions and you're second guessing everything. And I'm here to tell you today that if you'll take that step, the Bible says, Jesus says, God has given you a church. And the church's responsibility is to remove the cloth from your face and unbind your feet and your hands. And we're going to teach you to walk and to trust. There's hope. There's life. There's salvation in the name of Jesus Christ. So Kevin's going to come right now. And in just a moment, the rest of our musicians are going to come. I'm I'm begging you today. Would you come out of that grave? Would you come out of that grave? Are you scared that you're not sure how to take that next step? Would you come out and trust that the Lord's going to give you the people you need? To remove the grave cloths from around you? Are you a Christian here today who's been a stone standing in the way of somebody else coming to Jesus Christ? Would you come today? Maybe you'd like to come here and pray and say, Lord God, I recognize that I've not represented you well. Lord, rather than being a missionary in the places where you've sent me, I've been nothing but a stone of offense. Lord God, I've been covering up the grave. Folks, people need to come out, but I'm in the way. You need to come and you need to pray that the Lord will change your witness. And then for that one or two who's here today. And you say, you know what? I recognize, I realize today that I've fallen in love with that stone because it's hiding all my ugly from everybody. But God, behind that stone is deep, Dark, ugly, sickness, sin, infection. Lord Jesus, I'm terrified. God, I'm afraid to live without my sin. I'm afraid to live without my crutch. I'm afraid what people might think. But Lord Jesus, I'm going to believe. And I'm going to pray, Lord God, that as I believe in the power of Jesus Christ to save me, I'm going to trust that I'll see the glory of God. The Bible says, the Bible says that after Lazarus came out of the tomb, many people believed. You want to see God do something amazing? Move the stone. Walk into faith. And then watch that as God raises you to life, He may just use your new life to change the world around you. Would you come today as we sing? Would you get over your pride, your fear? Jesus doesn't care what anybody thinks about his relationship with you. Will you not worry about what other people might think about your relationship with him? If you'll take the first step, Jesus will meet you. He was standing outside the grave when Lazarus walked out. Is Jesus calling you today? Please come. Please come. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I pray that you'd be with us. Move among us. Call us out of our sin and shame, out of our graves, and into the glorious light that is Jesus Christ. His name. Amen. Stand with us as we sing.